Welcome to Full Scope, a podcast with two guys in their 20s, giving their perspective on the games that we love, the headlines in pop culture, and the meaning behind it all. I'm your host, Wednesday Burns, along with my counterpart, Savon Morris. How's it going, man? It's going really good, man. Friday. Another Friday we made yeah, it. Man. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And we, we've got a, a doubleheader episode, um, a few NBA topics in the first half, and then we're going to have um, a Creed 2 movie review in the second half. Um, we just started off with um, John Moran and just the, the exceptional um, rookie year that he's had so far. Um, he's led all rookies this year in total points and assists, ranked 11th among all players in clutch scoring, shooting 53% from the floor in the final five minutes of games when the score was within five points. Um, and how he has had the ability to, you know, manipulate the defense, get to his preferred spots and, and just either thread the needle or um, pull up for a mid-range jumper was huge in pushing Memphis to um, a better than 500 record in close games. And um, his speed, quickness, vision and touch just, you know, gave him the confidence to make passes that others wouldn't attempt. And he ranked 13th in the league in points created by assists. And, and that number will... Um, definitely rise as the Grizzlies front office will try to do a better job of surrounding him with shooting. Um, but what are your thoughts on just how successful um, John Morant's rookie season um, has been? And what are you expecting to see from him in the, in the rest of the league's restart? Cause you know, they just had a, a close game today with um, Portland lost by five and it, it's definitely going to, they're, they're in a tight, you know, they're in the eighth seed, but you know, with Portland coming, the Pelicans, um, they had a close loss yesterday. It, it's going to be a tight race. And, um, his play is definitely going to be influential in, in if they can get that last spot. Ja, 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 ja. <laughs> He's what I thought Lonzo Ball was going to be coming straight out of the gate, mm-hmm. right? Because we saw how good yeah. Lonzo was with UCLA. But UCLA. This, this cat here, man, the guy has everything you want in a point guard. He drops dimes. He's a facilitator. He's a guy. He's a slasher. He can finish at the rim. He can create his own shot. Like you said, he's he's quick, agile, and he's smart. And he has that drive, that willing, that willingness to want to win. And you put the right people around him in Memphis, that which Russell I think Russell Westbrook factor. Yes. And then some. Well, not then some. It's eventually. Eventually. Because we didn't see Russ mm-hmm. until... We didn't see the, the stardom that Russ would become until he got the you know, got his chance at uh, OKC. But Ja, man, the guy is crazy. And he's a good defender as well. That's the only yeah. thing. I was I was looking at some, some highlights, some film, and I was like, okay, he has all the tangibles as a scorer and a facilitator. What about defense? And he's lo- he locks people up. Like, what, what, what more you want, yeah. you know, more from? But the one thing I do want to see him continue to grow into is that leader role, but you can't force him into that leader role, you know what I'm saying? Because we we exactly. see what Kyrie Irving, <laughs> we see how you do it the wrong way. Good old Kyrie. <laughs> <laughs> but I want him to because whenever my, we mention Kyrie, whenever oh, we yeah. mention Kyrie, I just think of that last season in Boston <laughs> where everybody's like, "Yep, Celtics got it, sixty-five." <laughs> then in the second round, they lose in five. <laughs> That's crazy, man. It was no leadership. There was no cohesiveness in that. Not at all, man. You could just just tell everybody. Yeah. I was like, well, we don't need you. But no, for Ja, <laughs> I really want him to grow into that role because he's going to be the guy for the next gazillion years if they put the right mm-hmm. pieces around him. But that's what I want him to do. And also, I want him to um, make the people around him you know, better. He continued to do that because he's doing that. 
they're almost going to the, they have a chance to get to the playoffs. I think with the last seed, number eight, they can creep in to be yeah. number eight, correct? So from exactly, that, I don't yeah. think they're, they're actually right there at the eighth seed. And they didn't even make it last year. So the difference that you see the, the, the difference that he makes, he's a, he's a game changer, but continue to do that. Cause I mean, he has all the tangible, intangible things. Cause he's like, I really thought that's what Lonzo was going to do to be completely honest with you, but he still has some years in his career to kind of figure out what he wants to be the, re- referencing to Lonzo ball. Lonzo's improved. He's, he's, he's no. improved in some aspects. I mean, no, the, the thing I would say is this, the selflessness that Lonzo plays with is why teammates love him so much. And the fact that he can work so well with Zion is just like a, a, a pure playmaker. The shooting, I definitely am there right, right with you. Like he, he's still going to struggle shooting, but it, in terms of like what he can do as a defender and a playmaker, like he's a solid player, but it's just the shoot, the lack of like elite shooting is what's going to keep him from being like a really good player. And I feel like that's kind of the level at, that Lonzo's at right now. He wasn't drafted to be a just a facilitator and a good defender. He was supposed to be a scorer. Oh, I know. The, the expectations were sky high. High. Because that's what he did at UCLA. And you transition. I think he went 0 for like 6 or 7 from the three-point line the other game. Yeah, he just had. last night. So, I just, I don't, I don't see any growth. I mean, yeah. I mean, he has great chemistry with Zion because they're young and they, you know, probably have the same mindset. And and also he I do think he's a good uh facilitator. He's, he he does have some dime dropping abilities, but I want him to mm-hmm. we we see what he could do at I don't understand how it didn't translate over from US UCLA to Lakers or to the New Orleans Pelicans. I just that that baffles me. I was like, yo, you did so good. You were on fire. You don't think the Pelicans is more of a natural fit for him? Because he he is he seemed like more at ease in, in New Orleans. Like with the Lakers, like I almost feel as though it just wasn't a good system for him. And the Pelicans, with what Alvin Gentry has done, like, yes, we, we're not seeing the elite um, scoring, but we still are seeing the fact that he's got chemistry with almost everybody on the floor at, at every time. And when he's out of the game, that's when other players, um, you know, JJ Redick, he's got to do a lot of a lot of the a lot of the scoring um, work when when certain players are out there, even when Zion wasn't out there. And Sometimes it, to me, the Pelicans—they're—they're the, they're the type of team that they—they have a lot of young talent, but they're still maybe a year away from like actually being a playoff team. They will make the playoffs, though. I will say this: they're going to make the playoffs. I said you think that so? going to be the eight, I said they're going to be the eighth seed. I, I said that. Oh yeah, sorry. I said uh, they're going to be the eighth seed. Zion is back. Zion is going to help them get to the eighth seed. That's my prediction. On minutes restriction, though. <laughs> Oh God! As I want to put that caveat they, in there. <laughs> as long as they make it, I don't care if they win a game. I just want the prediction to come true because that'll have that'll be a big upside for uh, the Pelicans of Zion. And I don't think the pressure he doesn't have as much pressure with the New Orleans Pelicans because now you have another star in Zion taking all the pressure away. Now the spotlight's on him. People are still looking at Lonzo like, "Yo, dude, like you've been in the league two, three years now, and you." <laughs> Your shot still broke. Like, what's going on? <laughs> what's going on, Lonzo? Exactly. So I don't think the pressure. I think he doesn't have to be the star guy anymore. Because with with mm-hmm. the Lakers, because Lake showing what it brings, everybody respect him. And then his dad, his dad is his biggest advocate. So you have to be like, if your dad is like, "Hey, my son is down first round," you have to live up to expectations. He didn't live up to expectations with the Lakers. Obviously, he got traded. Nice with the Pelicans. A lot of scandal. I mean, 
he doesn't have that as much pressure to to produce or the role that they have him in right now. So he's he's fine. But I mean, he needs to figure it out though, because. I still have high, high expectations for him, especially, like I said, I keep reiterating that the transition UCLA. from UCLA, yeah. man. I, I don't understand. I thought, I was like, yeah, that's a good pick. Oh, they, they didn't miss a point <laughs> guard. Oh, they, they got it. Okay. Lakers. No. Boom. Lights out. Lake show. Yeah. No, no, nobody <laughs> came. <laughs> it was not the lake show. <laughs> not at all. And, and I, I, <laughs> But another thing that that John Moran has mentioned, you know, recently in an ESPN interview by by Tim McMahon, is that you know he expects with his um physical improvements that he can really take off. You know, he's averaged um seventeen points and, and six point nine assists. Adding you know mm-hmm. physical strength has been like a consistent priority of his for for his development, especially like during quarantine. He he just really felt as though that was a need that he needed to uh, element that he needed to add on um in in his frame going into the rest of the the um the season. Um, like, is that like another element, like maybe the, the, the strength that he needs or just, is it, um, is there another type of element that you that you kind of feel as though that that should be pinpointed as John Moran is, um, looking to like really close out this, um, this season strong and, and get Memphis back to the postseason? Yeah, I think with the pandemic him hitting, I think everybody had like low management now. So now he had the ability to like sit down and pinpoint, okay, I have like a couple months. Let me focus on rehabilitating myself because that is a huge, that's like 75% of playing any sport, making sure your body is continuing to flow and continue to go every time you play. So him, you know, adapting and growing in in different areas of, you know, making sure his body is tight and really good, that's going to add a different element. And then when you feel like your body is at its peak, your mental is crazy now. Like, yo, I feel like a god. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel no one can stop me. So what, if yeah. your body feels good, then your mental, I mean, it all obviously it's all connected. But like, if I, like for me, for, for instance, when I hurt my ankle in college and I got it back right and I felt like, oh, I feel like million, the million dollar man, I can move, swivel a little better now, <laughs> kick side, it's on point. My, my <laughs> mindset changed, like I'm going to kill whoever's in front of me. Mm-hmm. So th- I think that plays, it definitely plays a role for Nassim. So now I see what I could do before I was at 100%. I was at like, he was probably like 80, 90%. Now that he's at 100, we're going to see a different job. Different yeah, job. Absolutely. And uh, and now transitioning to um, Toronto's um, um, t- title defense, you know the Raptors are currently second in the East, have a twelfth ranked um, offensive rating, second defensive rating, and, and a six point four net rating, um, tied for third with the Clippers. And they went through a, a, um, a lot of injuries to very key players, and were on a roll going twenty one and, and four over the last twenty five games, including a fifteen game winning streak. They've got the third best record in the league, and even without Kawhi, um, there's just been a immense success that, that they've had. If they can have a late postseason run in the East, it is it's going to be you know the biggest question now. But kind of like, what are your thoughts on how Toronto ha- has stayed elite with the, with a plethora of injuries in the regular season, and even without Kawhi, um, them still being in the top two of the East right now? This group, man, they just know each other. That chemistry, mm-hmm. and I feel like they, yeah, I think they they all knew that <laughs> Kawhi wasn't coming back. I think they took a meeting. It was like, look, we have to do, you know, we have to do what we have to do. And for next year, we mm-hmm. got to prove that it was just not Kawhi doing everything. I mean, he did a, he did a bunch, but I did not think they were going to go 46 and 18, man, and be second yeah. 
I did not. No. They've you, it. If, no. No. Not at all. And I, I yeah. feel like Pascal Siakam has improved. He, he, he met my expectations this year because I was like, okay, now he has a big contract. We've seen what he can do. He can, can contribute. What can he do? What, 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 what's next for him? That man is, I think he's shooting over 34, 30, I think 34% over three-point line. He's 50% from yeah. the field. Like, he's playing great basketball. Extremely efficient numbers across, across the boards. For real. And then Van Fleet. I mean, Van Fleet's going to be Van Fleet. He's going to fleet, man. Okay, that was weird. <laughs> <laughs> that was so weird. But now, fleet, I, <laughs> that wasn't my best. I would, I can't say that. As Drake my, would uh, say, Frederico. 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 <laughs> yeah, man. They just have great chemistry. They play good basketball, man. And and when you have a young yeah. star, Pascal Siakam, and you have the old head, Serge Ibaka, OG. Now, OG is is interesting to me. I'm still. I don't know how yeah. I feel about OG. I I don't know how I feel about him yet. Especially kind of one of the, the biggest the question marks in the team. Yeah, for I don't. I and I, I can't put a finger on it. I don't know. I I I'm not saying I don't like his play, but I think he's kind of like if it was a loose end. I was like, yeah, why do you have him? That would be the one. Yeah, because I I have confidence in Serge. I've seen Serge play for two teams that really contributed. Um, Pascal Siakam is playing crazy numbers. Uh, Van Fleet, Cal, I'm still kind of on the fence of, even though he he showed up one game. One game. (laughs) Game six. Close out game. All right, guys. I'm ready to take over. (laughs) He should have got finals MVP. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> He's but no, I mean, that's that's the only question mark I have for this squad. But 46 and 18, man, without your star player, you just won uh, the NBA Finals last year. Will they win it this year? Mm-hmm. No, I don't think so. I don't think so. I think they run into a good squad. Like the Celtics or something. Celtics, I think 76ers okay. can put them wow. away. Yeah, Celtics are putting Philly, Philly think- is actually a team where I still feel as though if they it, you got Ben at the four now and then um, um Shake Shake Milton at, at the one. I mean, that's a team when they when they put it together, they've got the size and length to compete with the best in the East, even Milwaukee. Like it's just going to be can they turn that defense into offense? Is still one of the biggest question marks with Philly. But I mean, they have all the pieces to, to win these. I'm just waiting for this process to be finished with Philly because I. <laughs> Cause I thought Philly We're at the ninety percent, ninety percent, just ninety five percent, just like. <laughs> hey guys, the album is coming out in September. <laughs> Yo, no summer I mean, album. <laughs> no summer album. He was like, "We gotta wait for the other ten percent." Why? What's y'all bomb like, Why? 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 Why do we're we waiting to review it? <laughs> You know what? J. Cole's going to save the day. He's going to drop his album. It's going to save yeah. the day. Whatever. It's all on but- you, J. Cole. <laughs> <laughs> but, I, I mean, and, and another thing with Toronto is they, they've also got a three-game lead on the Celtics. Um, but if they do lose it, they would have to play either the Sixers, um, Pacers, or Heat in the first round, all of mm. whom would, would be tougher opponents than the match yes. or Nets. And they actually have the toughest remaining schedule left in the bubble um, facing the Lakers, Bucks, Sixers, and Celtics. Um, you know, s- some of the toughest teams um, uh, in, you know, um, in, in the rest of, rest of this bubble. And you look at Pascal Siakam, as we're talking about, their most influential 
um, player now as he's averaged nearly 24 points, eight rebounds, and, and four assists a game while holding an effective field goal percentage above 50%. And the increased usage that Siakam has had shows that he can take on a bigger challenge in the post-Kawhi um, era for, for Toronto. But uh, just what are your thoughts on how pivotal holding this three-game lead against um, um, Boston uh, I mean, uh, against Boston is as the second seed in terms of just, you know, the perfect seeding? Because this is a team that they can deal with any, you know, um, matchup, but it also in terms of just getting you know immersed into the postseason, getting an easier you know first round matchup is p- pivotal to like staying fresh for a long postseason run. I think they need to be the, they need to just to stay ahead of those games. I think if they get a Miami Heat team, I think they can I think they can take on Miami Heat. Now, if they drop and and get any other team, I don't think they're gonna they're gonna make it. I think they can beat up on the Heat. I really do. They're the Heat and Young. I think these guys, I think Pascal Siakam will be a, a mismatch. Um, but you still have to worry about Jimmy Butler. But I think Jimmy, Jimmy's only one guy. You know, I, I do yeah. think before the break, the Heat were playing great basketball. But I think out of all these teams, I think uh, the Toronto Raptors could kind of beat up on uh, the Heat and kind of like slip through the next round. Because I don't, I don't think they want to slip down and get another team. It's gonna be, it's not gonna be good for them. A potential Toronto Boston second round matchup would be really fascinating. Those two teams are pretty even. I, I would still probably give Boston the edge because I think Tatum could be the best player in that series. But but those are two really well coached teams, a lot of experience, and you know it, it would be a tight series throughout. You just have you just have confidence in Brad Stevens. That's all that is, man. I do. Big Brad do, Stevens, man. man. I, I'm a part of the Brad Stevens of <laughs> <laughs> I'm really not saying well they're going to the finals. Me. I'm not saying they're going to the finals, but I mean that's it, 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 when you look at what Boston can do with the wing defenders and what Jalen Brown has done and and Gordon Hayward. But the ascension of of Tatum, along with what Kimba Walker has brought to this team, as you know. Uh, the type of leader that, that that they need more than what they had before. And that's and that's gonna be interesting to see how they can continue to develop because Marcus Smart, another player that that we've talked about countlessly, his, his what his, his impact doesn't show up in the box score, but he's always gonna do the things that really matter the right. most um For in sure. terms of the hustle plays and what ends up in, in wins. And I, I totally agree. I totally agree. He's like uh Tony Allen. Tony Allen was first team defense yeah. for years. He wasn't a big scorer, but on the defensive side, man, that man was tenacious. He sacrificed by just like Patrick Beverly. Patrick Beverly uh, playing it. <laughs> Black Air Force Ones. Oh, gosh. Every time I think about that, bro. Black Air Force One. Um, <laughs> that's his new nickname, Mr. Air Force One. Um, Mr. Air Force One. <laughs> we got no, all like, the nicknames on this podcast. Yo, <laughs> the White <man>. Snowman. <laughs> <laughs> the white snowman. <laughs> hey, Popovich is a funny character, man. Popovich. But no, I just think Mark, Marcus Martin doesn't get the justice he deserves. Now, you know what's interesting? I wanted to see what Rozier did with that. Yeah. The animosity built up, what he would have continued to do for that team. Because at the year before, he, you know, the year, no, two years before he was, uh, got and went to the, um, Michael Jordan's team, I'm not going to say their name because they're trash to me. Michael Jordan's team. Uh, 
<laughs> That's when you know you're bad. Michael Jordan's <laughs> Michael Jordan's scheme. I'm not going to say the name. It's MJ's scheme. <laughs> no, I, I wanted, because he was like, like, we was like, who is this guy? Like, he was coming off the yeah. bench. He was scoring big numbers. He was contributing. And then the year after, I'm like, Kyrie came back. It was just like, oh, okay. It's a different, different team. Everything is not flowing well. Who's the, who's the, the bug? Who's the, the parasite? It was it was Kyrie the entire time. Kyrie was the parasite, because um, without them, it it was moving smoothly. Yeah, mm-hmm. great chemistry was moving smoothly. I just wanted to see what he was gonna do um, with that. But if you know Kimba would have never came over, I don't know how they would look with him being the starter. Because I'm pretty sure he would have started over everybody. With Rozier, I'm talking about Rozier. Yeah, but. No, I like that matchup though. Even though you're on the bandwagon for Brad Stevens, I do like that matchup. <laughs> so, so I'm guessing you give Toronto the edge. No. It's a with, Boston okay. With Boston? No. No. No, 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 no. No, sir. Can't do that. Can't do that. You just said the reason. Just checking. Why. I'm just making sure. Just yeah, making sure. <laughs> you already know the reason why. Jason Tatum. <laughs> I think he's a mismatch. No one on that team can hold him. Tatum. I mean, like that's really the thing. Like t- when we when we got up to the league suspension of the season, that was one of the biggest storylines. Because even in that Lakers game, um, you know, Le- LeBron has the game the the game winner um, uh, when Jalen Brown's guarding him. Tatum was just on fire for for a complete stretch, and that was that was one of the things that everybody was waiting to see. Like, how could Tatum take that to the next level? And he w- once he's clicking on all cylinders, Tatum is one of the most refined offensive players the league has. Mm-hmm. And he's just—he's yeah. just a freaking nature, man. Yeah, definitely. And, and um, now transitioning to Nikola Jokic's development and, and kind of you know what the Nuggets' potential is among the, the West's best. Um, for the second consecutive season, Jokic has been in the MPP rankings, uh, having a career high twenty point two points on fifty two point eight percent shooting with 10.2 rebounds and six point nine assists, um, and also ha- him having a thirty four percent rating from the perimeter. Um, makes him one of the most dangerous bigs in the league and his passing creativity is phenomenal as well. And um, he's, you know, slimmed down a ton over quarantine, losing 40 pounds. And, and that can especially, you know, benefit the Nuggets um, and him with a faster um, pace type of game. And looking at last year's postseason, he averaged 25 points, 13 rebounds, eight assists um, across his um, first 14 playoff games. And some players, you know, not being in as good of game shape or just experiencing the different elements of um, being in the bubble and just, you know, um, one environment will be a challenge as well to overcome. But Jokic has worked on his physique a ton over the hiatus. And now the question is, what have they, you know, learned from their second playoff round loss against um, Portland? Um, but kind of what are you expecting to see from Jokic and what the Nuggets can develop more as they try to sharpen things uh, with these last eight games? You know, I didn't want to play too much until him not scoring any buckets, but he um I think it was uh he wouldn't score this. What was this? What team was that? Oh, the Magic when they lost to the Magic. There you go. Yeah. 114-110. Went 0 for 1 for the field goal, free throws 0 for 2. And he posted six rebounds in 24 minutes. I didn't, I mean, it was knocking a rust off, but if he's back into the form that the man's just smooth, Wellington. The guy, he's a spacer. Mm-hmm. He's a he's he's like that versatile big man. Like he can shoot from the three-point line. He's a spacer. He he's smart. He has a high IQ. He knows. It's like 
like Robin know. You know how Robin knows when how how much the ball is going to spin and for who's shooting and yeah. where to be to rebound. I think Jokic has that too. Because when he just, it's just his eyes. I don't know if he's cock out or something, or he's like in a third dimension. <laughs> okay, I'm doing too much. <laughs> well, until you got to, you got to go down. Going man. extreme. <laughs> I'm Look, I don't even, I don't even know what form you're going to be in for, 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 for the, the Creed 2 review. I don't even know like what type of form you're going to be in, man. You're, you're just on one tonight. I don't even know, man. I, I, I have a spoiler alert for that, but I'm not going to spoil it. Um, but I think, man, if Jokic put the only thing about it, if Jokic plays lights out like he always do, the other guys have to step up. If three guys are injured or not injured, but not at a hundred percent, and one of the is the point guard Jamal Murray. That's a huge and, and Gray yeah. Harrison, Ill Will Barton, all three starters. So if Jokic play, and he does. He's he reminds me when uh, Kevin Love used to go forty and twenty every night. When he first came in the league, UCLA, because Jokic easy to get 40 points, 30, 40 points. And then he's always going to get big rebounds. And he also, he could dish too. But if he plays out, we've we, we seen countless times him going bananas and them still losing. Because I don't know, it were, I never, I never liked the Nuggets. Not gonna be, I'm going to be honest with you. I never liked the Nuggets, not even the year before or the year before that, or the year before that. Who's the Gosh. guy that we had on <laughs> the show? <laughs> No, it's not even hate. I just don't think they I don't know, man. It just when they struggle with the Spurs, I was like, what? They struggle with a Spurs team, Wellington. It was a it was a seven game series. It went way too long. I mean, they should have won that probably like in I don't know, maybe five. That Nuggets team was was a lot better than the Spurs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> a lot better. <laughs> that's why I don't. I that's why I'm like, man. I'm I'm. I think Jokic is a crazy basketball player, man. The man is dope, but we've seen it. just one player is not going to contribute. Now I thought Jamal Murray was going to extend, man, but he's just been like in that limbo of okay, like from bad. It's like in the middle. Like he's not. Mm-hmm. A bad player. He's actually a freaking phenomenal player, but he has so much potential he hasn't tapped into yet, and it and it shows. But the plague of injuries is kind of. And then I thought Michael Porter Jr. was going to be a little bit better. I don't yeah. know. That, that was that, that was and, and, and that was another thing that people were waiting to see because they felt as though like man maybe like he's one of the other missing pieces that can really like accelerate this team and and their offense and. And that's still a question that's up in the air. Yeah, 48 games played. He only played 14 minutes of that average of seven, seven points. I mean, he's he's coming off the bench, but I thought like he I don't it that's is a testament, is a difference between college basketball and the NBA basketball. Cause you think this mm-hmm. guy's gonna translate over. I because Michael Porter Jr., man, dude was dude was a monster. And then you yeah. just, I don't know, man. It's just the, the Nuggets are like hot and cold. I mean, we had, we talked about the Nuggets a lot at one point on this podcast. And I was just saying they were just hot and cold. If they ever figured out how to just go straight arrow, they just like bend it like Beckham. See, that's a pun. See, bend it like <laughs> Beckham. Now that's better. It's going to be the puns. That's what, that's what it's going to be. <laughs> it's going to be the puns. He came in with puns today. <laughs> 
<laughs> I had to make up for the last one, man. It was weak. Oh, he's gonna <laughs> he's gonna flee. Flee. <laughs> He's that was trash. <laughs> they just gotta. They trying to bend it like Beckham, man. I don't know. I just. I'm not a big on the Nuggets. Yeah, and, and, and I mean, like they're they're third in the West with um a ninth ranked uh, net rating, and they're led by you know a top ten player with uh, with with a bench with with length and, and scoring punch. Especially when you look at players like um like Bol Bol, and their three point attack is something that's lacking as. Um, you know, the week the season had stopped, they lost to the Cavs and Warriors within six days and then were blown out by the Clippers. Um, and, and just the three-point shooting was something that was, you know, kind of a a, a, a weak point for them. Um, but just kind of like, what are your thoughts on on their need for improved three-point play? And just um, as this is an element that, you know, you really need to have as you're going further into the, into, um, the postseason. And if you want to make um, a stronger push, because when they're facing teams like the Rockets, um, Lakers, Clippers, e- even you know Mavericks; those teams are going to be shooting a, a lot of threes. You know, effective in the mid range as well. But the perimeter play is going to be you know a very pivotal point. Ah, the only guy that's shooting over forty percent is I think it's Paul Millsap. Millsap, yeah. And uh, well, the guy I thought was going to like transition well was Jer. I think it's Jeremy Jeremy Grant. He came from uh, OKC. He came from OKC. I thought he had he was a good defender and he was able to shoot the three, but I think he's I actually I think he's shooting at like 40 percent. So for for the whole squad though, it's kind of like you said, it's kind of mucky. Now for for being what the the NBA is now, not having that consistent three point ability is going to hurt you unless you play great defense. And I don't think they play mm-hmm. great defense well into I think they're let me well I well I wouldn't say that they're fifth in the league. They're fifth in the league yeah. in uh opponents. Top, top uh, five defense. Top five. That's not bad. It's not bad at all. But you you definitely want a three point ability because they're why does this always play? Sorry. Well it's it... <laughs> the the bad thing about having your notes on the web, it's like videos just pop Advertisements up. Running. <laughs> And then just re- the 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 commercial was for seeing a return of the Mac. I was like, yo, I'm trying to do a podcast here, man. I'm trying to record. I can't even focus with Mark Mark Morris in my ear, man. But they are number 20th in the NBA. So that that should yeah. tell you something there. Um, but w- without having it, some three-point shooters, man, it's gonna be extremely difficult. Even though they're a top five defense, but along the Long, 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 long road ahead. Now, if the Warriors were in this, <laughs> that's the that's oh the thing. The teams that kind of fell off. I don't think the the Denver Nuggets would have been in the top five. They're probably been in the top ten because I think the Warriors would have been in there, and mm-hmm. uh, I think the Rockets would have been in there, given the circumstances of how everything went down over there. I just think like these numbers. That's I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> I'm just yeah. rambling, Wellington. I, I mean, to, to, to me, like, like they, they really are the, the type of team that they they got the um, they they have the talent that you know they have Jamal Murray, Nikola Jokic, but it, it's just the consistency from you know, like you said earlier episodes in, in this podcast, we've talked about just them being on and off. Um, in that Spurs series, you know, they weren't able to to pick up. A, I don't I don't believe they were able to pick up a road win. They only got home wins, and that was just kind of one of the things where 
you have to be able to win on the road as well if you're going to be successful in the postseason. And that's, you know, also something that they haven't really been able to accomplish either. And, and um, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back with our Creed 2 review. Welcome back to the show. And now we're getting into our Creed 2 movie review. And uh, we're joined by a special guest, uh, Markel Strong, uh, a current college classmate of mine. Uh, we've been trying to do this one for, for a while, but uh, thanks for being on, man. Oh, no problem. Thank you for having me. Yeah, man, absolutely. And to start it off with the overview, um, Creed 2 is a 2000, uh, 2018 American sports drama film um, directed by um, Stephen um, uh, Capel Jr. and written by Sylvester Stallone and Jewel Taylor from a story by Sasha Penn and um, Chio Hoderi Coker. This was a sequel to the um, 2015 uh, Creed and the eighth installment in the Rocky film series, starring Michael B. Jordan, Sylvester Stallone, Tessa Thompson, Dolph Lundgren, um, Florian, uh, Florian uh, Montoy, uh, Wood, Wood Harrison, Felicia Rashad, Ryan Coogler, the Creed um, writer-director, served as an, an executive producer on the film. Um, this film follows a fight over 33 years in the making as Adonis Creed meets a new adversary in the ring, Vicar Drago, um, son of um, um, Ivan Drago, the powerful athlete who took the life of Donnie's father, Apollo Creed, in 1985's Rocky IV. It had a budget of um, $50 million and brought in $214.1 million in the box office. It had an 83% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. And there were, there were strong performances in this one as the character development was highlighted by um, Stephen Capel Jr. And there was just so much anticipation with it following the Rocky IV storyline and also following a smash hit in Creed. Um, some of the predictability of it was noted. Um, you know, one of the reasons I, I kind of had it at, at three stars and even it, it had depth. Um, I, I think Creed still had, you know, more in the character development was, was excellent. But um, Markel, to start it off, like what were your initial thoughts on the film and, and the pressure it faced um, following up a smash, smash hitting Creed. Oh man, honestly, with I don't think it nearly touched the greatness of Creed One. Creed One, yeah, almost had me ready to fight my roommate. Like <laughs> just watching it, I was ready to punch him in the face for no reason. Creed Two, I feel like it was the average sequel. You know, it was like you said, very predictable. We knew, okay, he's going to fight Ivan, but the first loss came as a surprise to me. I'm not going to lie. But then everything else was, like, predictable, very predictable. That's, like, the only downside I have for that movie. Yeah, absolutely. And, and Savon, you know, like, Creed, that was the first movie review that that, that, that we've done. Um, looking at this, following it up, whenever you have a sequel, it's, it's really hard to, like, meet what it's what it, the first one delivered and even exceed expectations. Um, but to you, kind of, like, what were, what were your thoughts on on this sequel and just, you know, what it was following, being in the shadow of Rocky Four storyline and also following up Creed. I think it was definitely predictable. I think it had the agreements because when we first saw Creed, we was like, okay, this is a good movie. What can they do to make it better? Bring back Drago, bring it back. But I think the movie trailer kind of messed everything up because they we saw what everything was going to happen they have a baby this is the shit music blah 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 like give us a suspense and then when you watch the movie it's going still going to be average but at least we have something to look forward to i mean the first loss i think i thought that was going to be predictable cuz he's not an all around good boxer and drago was been boxing all his life professionally and unprofessionally so we knew that was going to happen but they had all the ingredients they just didn't they didn't just capitalize on it correctly in my opinion See, to me, it's shocking me because I'm always rooting for the underdog. And like when I saw yeah. Drago fight, I was like, oh, this dude got hands. He's fast. He's big. 
<laughs> I was like, you know what? Like, you know, with all, with everything going on around the 2000, 2018 era and all that, with like, you know, black actors taking force in almost every scene of the movie, I was like, we're going to find a way to win. Then he got like, he got demolished and I was, I was hurt. I mean, the, the, the anticipation of that one, because like Creed, he wanted to take that fight so bad, like didn't, didn't really have to, but just knew like him being called out, like he had to, to go in and, and take that, uh, that match. But transitioning to our first topic from under four stars, what would you give it? Um, I, I gave it three because, you know, th- this was a competent and entertaining film. The thrills in it are, are compelling as, you know, Adonis is looking to, um, bring closer to his father's death and responding to a challenge. Um, the depth and nuance wasn't as immersed in it as the original, but still was satisfying. And, you know, the climaxes are, are, are you know, still captivating as the film's, you know, main strength lies in the heart. Um, but to you, Markel, from one to four stars, what would you give it? Uh, 2.75. <laughs> like, really, really accurate rating. <laughs> yeah, very, very accurate. Because, like, well, actually, uh, okay, we'll go three because the more I think about it, the more realistic this movie is. A boxer who's trying to make it, uh, you know, his fiance, he, his girlfriend is in, is uh, pregnant. They get engaged. He loses fights. He wins some fights. You know, just like I felt, this movie was very realistic. I can see a real human going through these situations. So, like, that makes it me more able to connect with it and watch it because I know this can really happen. So, yeah. So, I boosted up yeah. three. Yeah. And, and, and Savon, to you, like, like looking back at it, um, from one to four stars overall, would you give it? I'd probably give it a four stars. And I know that's kind of like... Well, really? You just, you just crapped on it a little bit. I'll give it four. <laughs> this, is, <clears throat> this is the reason why I give it four. I think the storyline, it was perfect. They gave us what we want. How how many sequels we we get to where the fans get what they want? Everybody was saying, bring Drago back, bring you bring a you know Creed's son, he's an illegitimate son. He's 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 you know boxing with Rocky. Now bring back somebody who killed his father, and see how that. I think the character development was created to. I mean, it was on pace, but I don't think they had enough time to really develop Bianca's character or Adonis character even more. We saw different sides of him, but we still don't have his full capacity. I think that's why I didn't give it five stars. For the storyline is crazy. Uh, Drago's mm, back. Yeah. He still has that, the, the, the one-liners, I will break you. Like, that's that's <laughs> what we live for. If you love Rocky <laughs> movies, that's what you live for. Like, I get pumped. Like, when it was like, Drago? Drago? And then the scene where he just entered, he was like, this big guy, I've been waiting for you. You took everything from me. You break me. Like, yeah, that's, yo, that's, like, it gives me chills, bro. It gives me chills. So four stars, they just didn't develop the characters enough, and they didn't just they complete the storyline to where it deserved five stars. But everything else was there. I mean, it was meat but meat and potatoes. It just didn't have a dessert. It wasn't a three-course meal. It was good, though, but it wasn't like three. <laughs> yeah, and, 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 and. <laughs> But um, transitioning to to kind of like favorite character, um, for for me was Bianca as you know there's just a major development in how we view her as you know she goes from like, like the supporter and, and you know ringside cheerleader for Adonis in the first one and then compared to her being self possessed and as an R and B singer songwriter she's um, pursuing her own dreams of pop stardom and and that storyline is you know is just as important as any other characters um, 
she just had a, a necessary edge and, and the transition and growth for her was ma- maintained. But um, Markel, to you overall, like who was your favorite character? Of course, I'm going to say Donnie. Of course. Oh, yeah. Down to earth. And like, I know it wasn't a comedy, but I laughed throughout the whole movie because some of the things Donnie said. Like, yeah. And like his uh, his drive, like his drive is is crazy. Like, I know he's a professional boxer. But if a man twice my size wants me to get in the ring with him, that's a no-go for me, sir. I'm sorry. I don't care what you did 30 <laughs> years ago. Yeah, it, it, it's not going to happen. Not um, going to happen. Savon, for, for you overall, who, who would kind of be your, your uh, main favorite character? Drago, man. Drago, <laughs> man. That was one of my favorite Rocky films, man. Like, it was just, he was like, the one-liners in English, I would have break you. They want me to break you. Like, everything <laughs> is in Russian. Everything, you subtitles, but we get, I will break you. But no, I just <laughs> love- We get that part. <laughs> we get that part. No, I like the his his development, too, the side of we didn't see. Because he was like, oh, well, he lost. What was going to happen for him? He was like, I'm fighting for me. Forget you. And his, his girlfriend that had the 80s haircut, I don't know who she was. Oh, wow. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what happened. So you just think about like, what would have happened? So we get that. That's why I said the storyline was there. So he lost everything. He wasn't a top guy. He was an Olympic champion. He was the the, the golden boy for the Soviet Union. Uh, now we get to see him 33 years later. He's a bum. He's trying to live through his son. Like those are realistic storylines, bro. How many people that's was on the top of their peak lived through their sons? Only person that didn't do that was Michael Jordan. <laughs> LeVar Ball. Oh, oh, oh yeah. That's, that's, <laughs> I love the Ball oh, brothers, yeah. but we know he's living <laughs> through his sons. For sure. For sure. So it was so it was so realistic. That's why I think I love the character so much. And then he brings that dark, you know, side. But then I think it was a delete. Well, I'm getting ahead of myself. But no, nah, Drago was my, the best character. I'm surprised nobody picked Adonis. Or did somebody pick Adonis? I did. Okay, just make sure. Yeah, Mark, did. Yeah. Um, but now transitioning to to most memorable scene of the movie. Um, I had the, the proposal scene where, you know, Adonis was proposing to Bianca after the first fight of the film against Danny Willer. Um, the diner table scene where, you know, Mary Ann guesses that, um, Bianca is pregnant. Um, Creed broke broken in the hospital where, you know, Adonis is just vulnerable and broken after um, his first fight with Drago. You know, there's just so much going on in his mind with shame, failure, and embarrassment. Feeling at, at feeling though as though, you know, he let down his father in Rocky and just wondering out loud, you know, how his unborn baby is going to look at him once she finds out. Um, Amara's uh, hearing missing scene where Adonis and Bianca are devastated, you know, over their newborn uh, Amara's potential potential inability to hear Adonis training underwater, you know, followed by, you know, him screaming out all of his pain and regret underwater. And, you know, obviously the, the training montage where Adonis is out in the desert, you know, lifting weights and, and he's taking on the transfer transformation into being a boxer that could actually take on Victor Drago. And then, you know, finally any of the Creed, you know, Drago fight scenes, and there's just an edge of your seat action in these fight scenes between Adonis and Victor, um, excellent chore- uh, choreography, cinematography, and sound mixing on top of a solid plot. But overall to you, Markel, like what was kind of like your most memorable scene of this film? Personally, I have to say the um, the marriage proposal because I've been through that and I know how nervous he was. And the fact that she heard nothing, I scream laughing at. Like I felt bad because like she's deaf, but like to me yeah. that was like just the most perfect thing in the world. 
And then um, yeah. right before the first fight, she signed to him, did he poop yet? Like, it's not it's not anything major, but because I'm rewatching it with my fiance, and like that's something she would ask me like before a basketball game, like, hey, did you go? You had a business? I was like, dude, like this movie is like <laughs> this movie is like so personal, so real. And I also like the underwater fight scene, like you mentioned. I feel like those are old yeah. to Muhammad Ali, because soon as I saw it, first thing came to my mind is that poster of him shadow boxing underwater. Yeah, absolutely. and of course. And of course, when he gets his uh, when he gets demolished and like his insides tore up, I'm always gonna remember that fight because I was hoping so much that he'll find a way to win, but he just couldn't pull it out. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, Savon, to you overall, like, kind of, what was your most memorable scene of this film? I think I have <clears throat> three. Uh, the first one is uh, when him and Bianca are sitting down, and she said um, they were just talking. He was like, "I can beat him." And she looked at him. She said, you better. I was like, hey, that's what I'm talking about. That's what and then just the scene with him and Rocky just talking about him, like, uh, just, to, it, I think it was, it gave you more than what you need to kind of wrap everything around to the storyline. It's like, yo, this dude only knows boxing. He does have nothing to lose. He's dangerous. And then he was like, yo, I'm dangerous. I'm dangerous. No, no, yes. you're not. No, oh, not, not, not yet. <laughs> oh, I, mean, oh, I thought it was dangerous. Him. I'm not getting in the ring with him. Oh, you go find out how dangerous Drago's son is. <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna learn today. Right. And oh, then you I learned think very the, well. Oh yeah, most definitely. I think the third scene was the deleted scene, but it was like after the the, the I think the second match, and everybody was in a dressing room, and uh little Drago, I say little Drago, <laughs> that's a rapper name. Um he was sitting in, uh, I guess, the locker room, and uh, Adonis looked, saw him, and he walked over, you know, gingerly because he was beat up a little bit, and he just sat down. He didn't say anything, and they looked at each other, and then Drago came in. He looked, he stood up. You're Adriani. Like, he stood up a little bit, and uh, he looked at, Adonis looked at Drago. They looked at each other, and he walked off, and then Drago sat down with him. And then Rocky came out of nowhere and gave that, you know, that old dad um, <laughs> kind of signature thing. Just, you know, just shook his head. Yeah, they're cool or whatever. Everything's good. That was that was a dope scene. It was no words said. None at all. You got the scene, though. You got what was going on. You got the, you know, the end result of it, though. I thought that was a dope scene. They didn't even have to say anything, but it was portrayed correctly and pretty good. Yeah, definitely. Um, in, in transitioning to most memorable quotes, um, I had uh, Adonis. If we didn't, if we didn't do what we loved, we wouldn't exist. Um, another one from Adonis: Round after round, you learn more about yourself. And when I stepped in, in that in that ring, it wasn't all about me. Um, Rocky, you got everything to lose. This guy's got nothing to lose. Mary Ann, don't pretend this is about your father. Um, Bianca, we got this. You heard me. Um, then another one from Bianca: It's like nothing really matters right now, including me. And um, then another one from Adonis. I want to rewrite uh, history. Um, to you, Markel, um, kind of like what was like your overall most memorable quote? Uh, I didn't hear you say it one more time. Oh, I, I mean, from overall the 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 quotes in this film, what was kind of like your most memorable one? I cannot say that online. <laughs> <laughs> I can just tell you when it happened, and you just figure out what it said. This is when um, Lil Duke wanted to end the fight. And he told him no in a very graphic way. Oh, I yeah. guess. <laughs> like, 
<laughs> I wasn't expecting that, and I lost it. And I was like thinking about it to that word. I was like, that's something I probably would have said in the ring too. <laughs> yeah. Um, but overall, Savon, looking back at this one, what was kind of like your most memorable quote from this one? I think uh, it was coupled by Rocky and Adonis, of course. Uh, he was like, in the ring, he was like, he's just a man. Be more than him. And then uh, was another one we were just talking about. This guy's dangerous. I'm dangerous. Uh, <laughs> That's a good one, too. Um, and then it was the one he was talking to his mom, and she was like, you're going to take this fight. If you want to take the fight, take the fight. But don't act like this is, this is about your dad. This is about your ego. Mm-hmm. Like that that scene right there, those uh, that quote. Um, the quote was like, you better. He's like, I could beat him. You better. Like, those are like the most dope uh, quotes I can think about at the top of my yeah. head. And I mean, Creed and Marianne's dynamic was always pivotal. Even from the first uh, first film, like, you know, she just never really wanted him to get back in the, in, in, into fighting and do what his father had done. And then in, the, in, the, in this one, she didn't um, uh, want him to take on this fight just in terms of just what the significance was and the pressure of it and, and, and writing the wrongs like um, t- to you, like Markel, in terms of just even the dynamic with um, that Creed had with, with Mary Ann, like did anything stand out to you in terms of just the influence he had? Cause everybody from the outside did not want him to take the fight, but it seemed as though just the, the overwhelming nature of what it meant for his legacy and um, just his, his, his personal pride. It, it was just something he had to do. Yeah, I agree. It's like me. I'm not gonna lie. I'm a really prideful person, and with um, mm-hmm. if my dad died in like in a in a boxing match, and I grew up to be a boxer, and the son of the man that killed him came to me, yes, we'd have to throw hands, bare knuckle, boxing gloves, whatever. You gotta catch hands. So like, I agree with him, and the fact that um, the fact that Marianne has so much pull in it for her not to be his biological mother. I think that I think that fueled him a lot too. Cause I don't think he grew up with her, did he? In the movies. No. So for him as an adult male, not having her in his life, for her to have that much pull in his decision making or encouraging him or did well for him to even consider how she felt about it. I feel like right. he's not as powerful as we think of as we think. But at the end, his pride did win the fight, the the two battles in his heart. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm transitioning to kind of like, what did you like the most about the storyline? Um, you know, to me, this film just doesn't just have strong dialogues, but the parent-child dynamic was excellently delivered, not only with Adonis and Marianne, um, as it was painful for her, you know, too, as we were just talking about to remember Apollo's death, but also Bianca and Adonis becoming parents as, you know, she's got a new role in, in life and Adonis is adjusting to the responsibilities of fatherhood. Um, Rocky as well with the subplot about his son, Robert, and these elements were just as meaningful and effective as what went on in the ring. Um, but to you, Markel, like what per- in particular about this storyline um, did you like the most? I hate to be that guy, but honestly, I like how they took it from my, a white male star in the 70s and 80s to bring it back in the 21st century to a a black lead and portraying it well. Like we yeah. like from this movie, we can tell Creed was not uh, spoon fed, silver spoon fed. Oh, well, not Creed. Yeah, we can call him Creed. I just like how they did that and they did it really well from the lingo 
just everything about the movie. I'm surprised that they took a what is this the eighth sequel? Something like yeah. that. Eighth film in the Rocket franchise. Yeah. Most sequels don't go this far. Or if they go this far, they're not good at all. And the fact that they can they grab multiple different types of audiences from different backgrounds. The fact that you can watch Cree with anybody and they still relate to it. Either if it's from Rocky or is it from uh, Donnie. This is crazy to me. So that storyline is whoever wrote it, he did a fantastic job. Because it still pertained to even the previous six, seven movies. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so Savon, to you um, in particular, um, what did you kind of like the most about the storyline? I like that they gave more depth to Bianca's character. I think the character development was <laughs> smooth for a stint. Um, I just don't think they had enough leeway to do so. But I do have, I do think it was a good mixture of fights with content that had a, a, the ability to develop the characters. Um, I mean, the, the villain, I guess, the two villains, both Dragos, that was a that was dope. It gave, like I said before, it gave us, it gave the fans what they wanted to see. Did they deliver all the way? No, I don't think so. But I think they gave us, first time a film gave us what we really wanted to see um, outside of Marvel films. But uh, yeah, that's why I love the, the storyline, the, the character development. Well, not all the way, but good enough. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and transitioning now to our last topic, 10 years from now, is it still watchable and, and intriguing? You know, and, and Markel, like for every movie review that we do, we look back to see like, you know, a decade later, will this will this still be an intriguing type of film? And um, uh, to me, it will be because you still have the elements of just um, the human aspect of revenge, redemption, um, um, personal pride, and just really trying to right the wrong of of legacy that Adonis was was really trying to to settle once and for all. And this was, you know, a, a solid sequel and, and a franchise with so much pressure, so many good films. Um, but to you, Markel, like ten years from now, do you still think this will be um, a watchable and intriguing movie? Ooh. Yes and no. Ooh, that's mm. the first. See, first like, one we've ever had on full scope. Right. <laughs> oh, I'm a I'm making history. I would say <laughs> I would say yes and no because uh I don't think sport movies usually fare well in the long run. <laughs> I think the only sports movie that gets still talked about like it should is Remember the Titans. And uh what is it? The Facing the Giants. And I watched that the other day. And Friday Night Lights. Out. I've never seen Friday Night Lights. Wait, what? Wait, 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 wait. What sport did you Whoa. play, bro? <laughs> what sport did you play? You played football or basketball? I played both. I've never seen hey, Friday Night Lights. you never... Well, nah, bro. Like, nah, oh. I don't believe oh. you. I don't believe like, you. Most, I like, don't believe you. Most sport movies don't end well. I, I don't really believe you. I don't really believe. I don't really believe that, believe that happened for you, Markel. I don't believe that huh? happened. I, I believe you've seen Friday Night Lights. Yo, nah, I don't. I don't believe that, bro. I've never seen it. Friday Night. I've never seen it. I've never been interested in watching it. It used like, to get us so pumped before games. Watching that movie, man. And it was going against Carter, was one of the best schools in Texas. Like, yo, and man, I don't, nah, I don't believe you. I don't, I'm not going to, I'm not going to believe it, bro. I'm, I'm going to stick to, I'm going to stick to, I don't believe you. Like, <laughs> I don't like believe most you. sport movies, they, they, they really don't last. 
like out of all the sport movies, you name one one or two movies that lasted over ten years. I got to talk I about. can name I can name thirty. Oh, give me two more. <laughs> all right. <clears throat> In the given Sunday. Uh, Never Bar- watched it. Oh wait, wait, wait. Is that with Jamie Foxx? Yes. Yes. Only reason I rewatch. Only reason I rewatched that because I didn't remember it. In the given Sunday, Varsity Blues. Never the program, seen it. Never Rudy, seen it. Rudy um, sucked. But it's still movies that's talked about and still watched from today. Today. By I no watched one. a movie fake though by everybody. Especially what's another? Remember the titles you said? Um uh, Friday Night Light, Coach Carter. Coach Carter. Yeah, Coach Carter's oh, okay. one. Um, all right, Glory Road. Okay, all right. Glory Road. Yeah, that's see, that's Most, what I'm saying. Like, yo, come on, you're lying. There definitely bro. are some sports films that, that have aged well. Yeah, for sure. For Not a lot sure. though. For sure. That's true. So, like, I feel like it depends on the on the person. Because, like, if you actually grew up and you like like um, watching Adonis fight, you're gonna love this movie because it's like mm-hmm. part two of him, even though he didn't play like a large role in the original six movies. But like, yeah, this is a movie you can show your kids. Like, you know, you can get through any trial. So, but yeah, but like for entertainment, like. In ten years, I'm not gonna say, "Oh man, let's let me put on Creed 2. <laughs> you want to put on Creed one though, because Creed yeah. one still holds oh, you, up. Yeah, yeah, you put on Creed one. Uh, okay, yeah, Creed one's a different story. Creed one almost got me an assault charge. <laughs> <laughs> but but uh, to wrap it up, Savon, to, to you, like ten years from now, do you do you still feel as though this will be a watchable and intriguing film? I, I'm gonna have to say yeah, man, because of Rock. I mean, Sylvester Stallone is a freaking legend. Uh, Michael B. Jordan is a freaking legend in the making. Um, he has a long career. I just think if you really love Rocky films and bringing Drago back and his son and having those, even though we knew it's predictable, I just think those elements right there will get people to watch it. But no, I'm 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 with like yeah, let's put on Creed two. Nah, I wouldn't say that. Now Creed one, I would you know because it was it was different. It gave us yeah. you know what I'm saying yeah. But I want to put on Creed two like hey yo, we got time. Let's watch Creed two. Creed two. We got extra two and a half hours. Right. Nah, I'm not gonna do that. Nah, nah, not that one. Nah, that's not a conversation. That's what we had. Well, Markel, it has been an absolute pleasure having you on as a, as a first-time uh, guest, man, and uh, thanks for being on. Oh, no, thank you. It was, a, it was a pleasure. Have fun. Yeah, man. Well, that wraps it up for today. I'm your host, Winston Burns, on my counterpart, Savon Morris. This has been Full Scope. See you later.